Hey guys, welcome to a new episode. This one is one where I'm kind of talking about two things at the same time. Um, a huge like moment, for lack of a better word, that I had in therapy this week. Um, that's been like years of work in the making, like not even exaggerating. Um, and almost comparing that to the kind of the life coach industry that exists, particularly on TikTok, because it is the bane of my fucking existence. (laughs) Um, And I just want to almost like talk about the breakthroughs that I've had recently in therapy and show that how like the life coach industry on TikTok is such a fucking lie, um, for lack of a better word. So, um, just to start off with what I'm talking about with life coaches, um, there's a ton of life coaches about anything and everything. And I get like why so many of them popped up because it's the circumstance of the pandemic, especially when people were like, couldn't work or their jobs cut their hours. Um, And everyone was kind of like at home and was trying to find a way to do a job working from home if they could because nobody wanted to go outside and like possibly get COVID, especially before the, um, before the vaccine. But even after the vaccine, I know that I'm like much safer from getting it. I know that I've only gotten it one time because partly because of that, like the, and like, ironically for me, the one time that I got it was from my Lyft driver when I was going to get my booster shot. So, so like if I would have had a different Lyft driver that one time, I possibly never could have gotten it by this point because I don't go outside very much. I'm not around a lot of people and I don't have to go to a, a public place with a lot of people around in order to do my job. I just do it, you know, from my bed, um, every day working on my computer. So, um, I get why there's so many life coaches, but it's also kind of a very, it's very, very toxic when it comes to trauma work and especially complex trauma, because the other thing that a lot of people started recognizing during COVID times was how traumatized everyone was because everyone, that was like kind of a fascinating effect of 2020 was that everyone was sitting at home and no one could go anywhere or do anything that we usually do that are kind of like fun distractions, you know? There was no sporting events that we could go to. There was no concerts. There was no like plays or musicals or um, or just like family or events, friends getting together, like just so many things that we couldn't do. And because of that, people were just like sitting at home and had an abundance of time to think about like, what is really my gender identity? <laughs> that was one thing for me that I figured out during that year. Or like all of these things that I've dealt, like had problems with in my life, what do they really mean? And now I have the time to think about it. And not only that, but like COVID and the rest of 2020 with like all of the BLM protests and how horrific those were and everything was, and just Trump as a president was so traumatic on top of it that... um People needed help and they went to go get it and finally were stopping, avoiding, dealing with things that had been a problem for most of their life, which was 
really good. But because of that, a lot of people, like, I find that a year or so into treatment, um, decided that they just, like, thought that they could do it themselves. Um, and thought that they could just get on TikTok and make a link tree and make, like, a website on, uh, square pay space that only costs like $20 a year. Um, so it's not that much money if it doesn't work out and could just start making videos of things that they learned the first year or so that they were in therapy and that they could teach people how to like heal their complex trauma and do all these things. But the problem was that they don't actually know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, a year, me like a year or so into therapy and me now are like in wildly different people. I understand therapy much better now than I did then. Like, and so the idea that there are people that are dropping out of it, basically at the part when it gets starts to get more challenging, <laughs> um, and think that they understand what therapy is and start like telling other traumatized people that this is the way to do it and charge them exorbitant amount of money exorbitant that's that what word i was trying to say amount of money is so very not good for lack of a better word um so i wanted to try to compare that to what i see um what i've actually experienced in therapy because a lot of like the life coach sort of people say that like oh i can definitely heal your trauma, I can get you to a place where you feel healed. Like the number one thing I want to make clear is that there is no time in the, in like ever, no matter how long you're in therapy that you reach like a hashtag like healed status where like you don't feel anything about the things that have happened to you or anything like that. Um, I feel like that comes from new age spirituality. Like new age spirituality acts like if you're healed, you're a more healed or more like aligned or like ascended person, they, they think that means like that you don't feel emotions. Um, that's not true. Like you don't, they don't feel emotions because they're dissociated from reality and all of their feelings and their body. <laughs> um, is that like, there's never a time when you remember the horribly traumatic things that happened to you and it doesn't make you feel something about it. It doesn't make, or that you think about the people who did that stuff to you or the circumstances that led to them, like maybe getting away with it or not being held accountable or the people that still won't believe you. And there's never a time we're going to remember those things and be like, that doesn't make me upset because that's just not being a human. That's not that's not a human experience. That's not what we can do. Um, it's no, that's not like a possibility, but a lot of life coaches act like it is. And it gives people who are doing a healing journey for lack of a better word, a very distorted kind of view of what it's supposed to look like. And it makes them feel like they're failing when they're not failing. Um, because healing from complex trauma and PTSD is very chaotic and messy and just, you're all over the place when you're doing it. There's no other way to possibly handle that, but to be all over the place. Like you're completely like rediscovering almost from nothing who you are, 
what you actually like, who's important to you, who's going to stay in your life, what you even enjoy, like your entire identity from zero. That's not going to be like an easy process. It's a very hard, complicated process that takes many years and includes backslides and times where you relapse into toxic um, coping mechanisms because those are things that you know that you can handle and you feel like you can't have anything else. And all of those things are part of the whole thing. It doesn't, it doesn't happen quickly. It's not like you take one course or you have like a certain amount of sessions with somebody and you're, and you come out like magically healed. Um, it's nothing like that. It takes years and years and years of work. Um, like just like, um, I feel like people could listen to me talk about this last couple, the last couple months of EMDR that I've been doing where I've been focused on the worst memory that I have that has like dominated so much of my intrusive memories, intrusive thoughts, nightmares, um, flashback, like emotional flashbacks, all that stuff for a very long time. Um, and think that this was like a change that happened quickly. And like, yeah, I've been processing this memory by with like doing bits and pieces of it for the last like two months, I think. Um, and the amount of breakthroughs that I've had in that time that has greatly improved my life already um, at this point is a lot. It's a lot that's happened in a short amount of time, but it's also been years in the making of me getting there. And that's like the part that the life coach industry acts like doesn't exist. Like there needs to be some sort of a foundation for you to even be able to like go out on a limb and trust a therapist and be able to do the things that I needed to do in order to really get there. Um, life coaches don't have any of that because they don't, they're not actually, a lot of them aren't even therapists and have no education and no idea what they're doing. They basically just tell people how to shut off their emotions and kind of the, the main thing I want to say about life coaches is that a lot of them think that therapists are one way. And so they're trying to act like a therapist, basically like cosplay one in a way that they think makes sense because but, but they have a very, like, very limited view of what therapists actually are. A lot of people who start therapy but don't, like, really see it through um, think that a therapist is just, like, a friend that's listening to you complain or whatever. But that's not at all what they're doing. They're just not aware of the things that therapists pick up on or, like, the cues they give you or the things that they ask you. Or just like really what the whole therapeutic kind of relationship is meant to be. Um, because they drop out before they ever can really know that. Because they don't trust. They never got over like tr the idea of trusting this other person who knows more than you. And can help guide you through something very difficult. They just think that they can know, they'll know better than what these other strangers could possibly ever tell them. Honestly... The main thing that people that a lot of life coaches in general do in the trauma world is that one thing with therapy is that once you're like a year or so in, you start getting to the 
point where you start to have to look at some of the like toxic patterns of behavior that you also exhibit that is not the reason why the the trauma happened to you like not like you're to blame but also is something that you've kind of adapted because of that happening and how some of the things that have happened in your life aren't completely like not your fault that you also had a part in some of that stuff because part of especially having childhood trauma is that you don't know anything else and you don't realize how you're like repeating these very toxic patterns and hurting yourself and hurting other people around you. And especially a year or so in is usually when you start to have to see your therapist, not your therapist, you have to start to see your abusers as people again. Like, um, I want to, I'm trying to end this part about specifically talking about life coaches because I want to kind of go through the whole my whole time in therapy so far but I will say this at least that the beginning part of therapy when you're kind of grappling with the fact of you realizing that these people have abused you a lot of times we realize that while we are in therapy that was definitely my experience at least when it came to my mom I realized it with my therapist's help and that's a very natural reaction to have when you're especially when you have abuse since you were a kid you don't have a clear like look at yourself and you need someone like a therapist outside of you to really make that as abundantly clear as it needs to be um and so sorry burping (laughs) I'm always burping in these episodes but anyway the thing about so what I'm trying to say is that um Sorry, I totally, I lost my train of thought for a second. <laughs> this always happens. Hold on. I'm back. Okay. So the thing that I was saying before was that one thing about therapy that happens a year or so after you start going is that in the beginning when you're realizing, usually when you're doing it, that this person is actually has been abusing you or they've been toxic towards you, whatever it is. Um, especially if you've experienced childhood trauma, you realize that this, these people that you love, they are your family are actually hurting you and that you don't actually deserve to be treated this way. And so when you're in that, like that part of the recovery process where like just being able to like, look at what this like almost like symptoms of abuse are, or like, if you want to like go back to their beginning, because I know label some labeling your abusers as a narcissist is something that is helpful in the beginning because it's a label. It makes you feel safe. Um, I really don't like how the narcissistic abuse community weaponizes that stuff later on. Like it's something that you sometimes need in the beginning, but I think you should leave after a certain point because it becomes, it's something that's very dehumanizing. And like you need that when you're first realizing how this person hurt you. Because you need to be able to look at like, what is narcissism? Or what is narcissistic personality disorder? What is a narcissist? And look at the list of things that that people think make someone a narcissist. And then use that information and look at the person that's been hurting you and try to like almost work backwards. Like, um, one thing that was hard for me, it was really hard for me for a while, for like years, the first like two years for me to look at things like that, or like look at abuse or like whatever things and be able to like think of instances of like stories or 
experiences that I had with my mom of her actually doing the things that like those that the that it would list like those on those lists that you could find on like Instagram or Twitter or whatever um I knew that she exhibited some of those behaviors but I couldn't think of good examples of them because it was so hard for me to picture her as somebody who was abusive it took that long for me to be able to see it and so that's a very normal experience where you kind of need you need to almost dehumanize your abusers into being just a monster because you've told yourself for a long time that these people um that you're the problem that the that you're the reason why you're unhappy not these other people and so now you're finally putting all the blame and stuff on the right people and so you need to and you kind of need to dehumanize them in that moment but at one point you re- you get far enough in therapy where you don't need to dehumanize your abusers anymore and it's actually necessary because you understand how they abused you that's very clear in your mind and so then after that you need to really like understand that these people and recognize the humanity in those people again because that is what helps you not be so afraid of everyone in the world instead of thinking that a narcissist is this big scary monster that is is like a Jekyll and Hyde character and you can never know who's safe and who's not you recognize just the patterns of abuse by that point and then and then recognize the parts of humanity that were in the abusers in your life that you just haven't liked to think about during all this time and remember how these people were also abused in some way a lot of the time to become like that and how they were once like you one day and how sad it is that they ended up just repeating the same process and they didn't even realize that they were abusing you just as badly as they were abused as a kid and how much it sucks that they weren't able to get help like my I don't know about everyone but personally for me like my parents both had moments when they were younger where they could have gotten help but because of like the time that they existed in because they just like weren't willing to do it or didn't have like whatever the circumstances were there were moments when they could have both of them could have done it and tried to do it but it just didn't like work out and so um they they could have stopped themselves from becoming who they were but they just but it just didn't happen for one reason or another and that's sad and it's okay to be sad about that. Um, and it's also good because it helps you see like the ways that you kind of act that are learned behaviors from them so that you don't end up thinking like how they were thinking. Like they thought, oh, I'm not as abusive as my dad. How I'm doing this is different. But it's like, no, it's just as bad when you're doing it to somebody else. You're just making excuses for yourself. And that whole, that whole thing, that whole dynamic is really important. And so, um, a lot of, I find life coaches drop out of therapy when they have to get past the point of just labeling everyone as a narcissist because they have to start to see people as human again. They have to look at themselves and notice flaws in their own behavior. And it's easy because of the narcissistic abuse community and stuff to just demonize therapists and say, well, this therapist just, just doesn't get me. This therapist is blaming me for my um for my trauma and stuff when they're not they're just like trying to push you forward because 
once you like are not looking at the world in such a black and white way, like when you have to look at people as a narcissist or not a narcissist, the world becomes a, a much less scary place. And, um, it just becomes a lot easier to interact with people after that. Instead of always being afraid of the boogeyman, you can recognize that these things happen because of the people in your life that hurt you. But just because those people were like that doesn't mean that that will happen to anybody else. And as long as you're aware of like the ways that people manipulate the abusive tactics that are the same with every person who is ever abusive, then you won't like experience that same thing. You likely will not experience that same thing again. Um, and so like when you look, but like a lot of times they don't want to do that because that's hard. <laughs> that's the really hard part. Like therapy is all hard, but that's especially the hard part of trauma therapy, especially childhood trauma therapy is having to look at yourself and see like the patterns that have come up with lots of people through the years and why maybe people, um, reacted to you that way or like the things that you kind of did that where you, where you, a lot of times for a lot of us, at least we do have like that intuition side that would tell us that this isn't a good idea. This person probably isn't very good for you, but we just didn't listen to it because we didn't trust ourselves enough to think that we were right. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I'm just basically what I'm trying to say is like, please don't go see life coaches because most of them are people that should still be in therapy right now. They're people that left therapy and named themselves experts instead of actually seeing it through and doing the hard work that they need to do so they stop being afraid of the world. Most of them talk about narcissistic abuse all the time because they're still absolutely afraid of the world. And it makes me sad that they are, but at the same time, there's nothing that I can do about that and doesn't make it okay how they make money off of basically just giving people terrible treatment that will likely take years in actual therapy to undo, to be honest. <sighs> okay, so um, to talk about the breakthrough that I had, I've had a lot of breakthroughs in the last couple months when working on this memory, but essentially just in case you've never heard an episode of my podcast before, um, I've been doing EMDR on and off for the last few years. I'll, talk, I'll kind of tell like the timeline of my whole time in therapy in a second, but um, recently my therapist and I, around my birthday in like the middle to end of January, we, um, there's a really bad memory that's trauma. You know how trauma memories are so weird. Like even if there's one memory, that's like a specific date and time, at least for like complex trauma, this is true. Um, it's not like a memory of just this one time. It's just kind of like almost an amalgamation of all the different times the same experience happened. If it like complex trauma is like repeated trauma. So that t tends to be how it is. And so the uh, memory that I've been working on is one of being sexually abused by my dad. And it's kind of, like I said, an amalgamation of it happening through throughout the years. Like when I would process it or think about it, I would... Like, I remembered this one time from beginning to end from things that I worked on with prior therapists. Um, but when we were working on it, other things would pop up from different years as it was happening. Because, yeah, that's what this time was. But even though, like, so um, I had worked on that memory before. Um, and 
it had somewhat and it didn't it doesn't come up in my intrusive thoughts I don't have nightmare I didn't I wasn't having nightmares about it anymore which helped like my insomnia get better and things like that but um it still like felt like it was still like happening to me right now like the emotions attached to it was very like present like it felt present tense um like I was feeling when I would remember it I would feel like frozen in fear like I did when it was happening um and so I knew that I needed to process it more in EMDR with my therapist and so we had like one session where I just like cried throughout the whole thing um thinking like because of being scared of trying to do that again and my therapist basically came up with a good plan which was to break the memory up into a bunch of little pieces that doing the entire thing was too scary for me. I couldn't handle doing it all at once. And I didn't know that you could do this with EMDR stuff until she did it, which is why it's a really good idea um, to be honest with your therapist. I'll go into that in a second of like how trust with a therapist is so important. And that is something for me that had to be built up over kind of experience and and time put in with other people but um anyway uh but that's why like your almost therapeutic relationship between you and your therapist is always the most important thing because I felt safe and comfortable telling this therapist that I was too scared that I couldn't do it that I was like trying to force myself to do it but I was too scared to do it and she didn't want me to force myself to do it just to make her happy and so instead she split up the memory basically one little section at a time, like four or five, I think, different sections. And it, and like would spend a couple of sessions on each section until we would like work it, like process it. And it wouldn't, and it would feel like it happened a far away. And then finally in my last session this past week, um, I had worked on every part of the memory. And so then we tried um, processing the entire memory, which had some other, like, and when we did, and I was able to do that finally, because now that the emotions of it all wasn't so in my face and I was looking at it and I was still felt like obviously upset and disgusted by what, what was happening, but it didn't feel like it was happening to me right now. It felt like I was like, you know, um, remembering something that was very long ago, as opposed to it happening to me currently. Um, and, uh, I was able to process some more like things about it and then, um, and then like have it basically be processed, which was something that I never thought that I could ever do. I never thought that that memory was something that I could ever like go through in an EMGR session like I did because I thought that it was too scary. I never thought that it would be something that could ever improve because of how, scary and awful it is but I did it and um so to go through kind of the whole timeline of me in therapy to kind of give an idea of like why it took so long to kind of get to that point my, like I feel like that like it's very normal to have a therapy journey where you kind of go up and down where you like go for a while and stop and go for a while and stop but I don't know if it's as normal <laughs> Um, for, for it there to be so many, like, like there was with me, um, maybe it is people can let me know if you want with like the little reply thing on Spotify, if you want to, 
Um, but yeah, so because with me, I started going to my first therapist in February of 2018. Um, that's the and that therapist was an awful therapist. I actually reported her, um, but I didn't realize that she was a horrible therapist until like after seeing her for like 10 months. I didn't know that she didn't really know what she was doing with trauma. I didn't know that she wasn't really trauma informed because I hadn't because the only other time in my life that I had ever gone to see a therapist before this was when I was 12 years old and I have basically no memories of that experience. And I was learning about what being trauma-informed meant, but I didn't really know what it meant at the time when I started seeing her. But during the course of the time that I saw her was when I realized that things were off with my mom and I finally admitted she was the first like real person, like adult person, like a professional person that I ever told about being sexually abused and that led to me cutting off my mom and everything being messy with my sister and so by the time of our uh, seeing each other that I was realizing that things weren't that she wasn't a good therapist was after was when my entire life was like a mess after doing all of that stuff and so I like tried to make it work even though it wasn't, even though I was aware that there were things that were off about it for the last few months or so, but I was like, I, by that point, I was like unemployed. Everything with my mom, my sister had blown up to epic proportions. Everything in my life was a mess. And so going to therapy every week was one of the few things that like kept me going and I didn't want to lose that. But then, um, once she said that I, she told me that she thought I made up my abuse memories in our last appointment. So then obviously after that, I stopped seeing her after like 10 months, which is why I reported her and she did get in trouble from, she didn't like lose her license. But since then I checked up on her and she doesn't practice in my state anymore. So I see that as a win. Um, but because of that happening, that happened when I was unemployed. And so I ended up getting a job a couple months after that. That was in like December of 2018 when that happened, like early December 2018. I got, I started working at the job that I still work at now um, at the end of February in 2019. And look, the one thing that was good about the job that I have now is that you got health insurance there after only working there for a month because some jobs make you wait like the entire like 90 day probationary period or sometimes they even make you wait like six months or something um, depending on the kind of job. But this job let me get it after only a month. And so I was like desperate to get back into therapy by that point. I, after everything blew up with like my last therapist, I, um, actually met with like the doctor. I was seeing a primary care doctor for a little bit to get, um, um, antidepressants. And that, and at that office, they had like somebody who is basically kind of not someone you would see as like a psychiatrist for like a long-term issue, but knew enough about mental health stuff that I met with her. And she gave me when, when I still had like therapy or not therapy, I had health insurance from my, from the job that I didn't work at anymore for a little bit longer. Um, and she gave me some recommendations of places that I could go to to when I could sign up for therapy. And so I called those places and found a person who said that she was experienced with people who experienced incest, so, which was a good, 
like after what happened with my last person, I wanted to make sure that I went to somebody who actually knew what they were doing. Um, and so I went and started seeing that person in April, um, which was pretty much the soonest I could possibly get in since I didn't get, um, that was right when I started getting health insurance again was the beginning of April. And, um, we tried to do EMDR and we did a little bit of like, I forget what it's called. It's body something. It's where you like kind of almost do like meditative things of like noticing um like body kind of like almost like body sensations that go along with like the trauma you're remembering um but like EMDR um didn't really work that time like it like it should um like or like it does when you're like really doing it the right way I honestly think the problem for that was that by the time I saw that therapist, I had been out of therapy for like five months and I was extremely depressed and suicidal. And like during that year, things just kept happening with like my mom, with my sister, with like work, with my friends, like everything just kept getting worse. Like that, like 2018 to 2019 and even 2020, but especially 2018, 2019 for me were just like relentless. Like it was just like hit after hit after hit after hit. It was just like never stopped. And because of that, um, I like, I, I didn't, she, I honestly, when I look back at me now, I think that that therapist like was probably really worried about me. And, um, and she didn't really have the time because to like almost build up the therapeutic relationship in the way that she probably really wanted to because I was in like kind of a dire state when I even just like walked into her office and things as like the summer and the fall went on just got progressively worse and worse and because um usually when you do EMDR stuff one thing that is really key is that you that you and the therapist like build up trust because you're basically opening up your brain to a complete stranger and trusting that they'll help you kind of navigate things like you never have to tell your therapist any of your any of the memories or any of the specifics of anything that you're seeing if you don't want to. I do because I find that helpful, but you don't have to. But like you do have to trust that your therapist is helping you and that you can do this and all these sort of things. Um, but we never could really do that because we just didn't do that. And so she tried doing EMDR and that body spotting, I think it's called with me a few times but like during that time too besides the extreme like suicidal feelings I had um I was also so mad and like frustrated about the fact that I couldn't remember anything that happened to me because that was during the time when um when like my mom not remember saying that you know trying to make me believe that it was all a dream that it didn't really happen and my sister seeming to take my mom's side was something that really obviously really bothered me that still bothers me now. But back then I felt like, I felt like I needed to like almost, um, I wanted to remember the things that happened to almost like prove them wrong because I, yeah, to, not to almost because I wanted to prove them wrong or like prove to myself that I was right because I didn't have like the confidence in myself. I didn't have the, I didn't like, I couldn't like, because I, I felt like so fragile that I felt like I couldn't trust my like perception of how these things happen that so 
I wanted to remember things. I like would watch things that I thought would trigger me on purpose to try to bring like memories up, which is like the worst thing you can possibly do um, because it just upsets you even more. But that's the kind of stuff that I did then because I was so desperate to like remember things because um, because I didn't remember anything. And I felt like and I felt like I needed to in order to prove to myself and to them that these things really did happen to me, that I wasn't making it up or that these weren't just nightmares for those moments when I was like, what if I did just make all of this up? And um, and then throughout that year, I started getting back the memory that I've been working on recently in little bits and pieces, which is why like my insomnia got so bad in 2018 and 2019 because I kept having nightmares about little bits and pieces of that memory. I didn't realize it until a good amount of 2019 and that that's what I was doing. Um, But that's what I was doing. And um, so then in like September of 2019, I like EMDR wasn't working. None of the stuff we were doing was working. I was super duper depressed, suicidal, had like no personality. I didn't see a point in trying. I didn't see a point in living. I just felt like I was stuck here on earth forever, living a horribly sad life and would never get out of pain. Like I had learned, like I said in the last episode that I did about Lincoln Park, which is sounds random, but I had learned from watching what Chester Bennington's family had done to him. Sorry, that was my little buzzer, but I had learned from watching what Chester Bennington's family did to him that um, that my mom would change who I was in order to make things better, in order to make me into a person who I wasn't, to make, if I died, to make my death easier for her because that's what his family did. And I knew that that's what my mom would do because she had done that already at my dad's funeral and after my dad died. And so I was really mad about the fact that I couldn't even die because I knew that my mom would do that to me and I didn't want that to happen. Um, I'm really glad that I didn't die then because I'm glad that I'm still alive. But at the time, that made me so mad that I couldn't even die the way that I wanted because my mom wouldn't let me, that she couldn't let me do anything <laughs> um, that I wanted to do. And so that and so in mid-September is when I went to my treatment program, which is the first time that I processed this memory for a long time. And it did. I did have a lot of improvement then because the main thing that that program helped me do was not only learn that a therapist can be a fucking godsend like sent from like Jesus (laughs) like baby Jesus himself because of how perfect that therapist was for me but also be and but I also like moved the blame to who it should be like instead of placing all of the blame on myself and thinking that it's my fault this stuff happened to me it's my fault that I experienced this it's I'm disgusting I'm gross I was like actually like wait no my parents are disgusting my parents are gross not me and that's what and that helped like a like most of the suicidal feelings I had go away and made me want to like live life again and actually live for once because I realized that it wasn't actually me it was somebody else and I started feeling emotions like all of my emotions like I started being angry um learned how to be angry which like definitely like made um the next six months after that when COVID happened was a little bit wild because also because I wasn't in therapy because I was finally learning how to be angry and the only way you can learn how to be angry is basically being angry about everything all the time and then like learning how to like control it better through time 
I feel like that process probably would have been a lot easier if I had a therapist during that time. But after I left my training program, I saw a therapist for like two times, but it just didn't, wasn't the, like the right person. Um, and I was really low on money because of being, money had been a mess for the, for like most of my life, but especially that those couple years when I was like unemployed and then not, but still didn't have any money or anything at all. Um, and so I was planning on finding a therapist after a couple months break um to try to save like a little bit of money but then covid happened in march of 2020 and so then like covid happened i like dramatically had to move out of my apartment i had a tumor on my back that i had to get two surgeries for and after being trapped in my apartment for an entire month after surgery and a lot of pain and like literally could not leave or go anywhere or do anything um after like a month of that i finally one, I was like so desperate to go outside after not being able to do anything at all. Like I couldn't even lift like the garbage to like take out my garbage. I had to get my sister to come over like two times a week and take my garbage out for me and bring me like my groceries because I had a weight restriction on what I could lift. Um, and so after that, I knew that I needed to go back to therapy. I spent like that entire like month or so recovering, just like crying every day. And so after that, I just found a therapist who had an opening and started going again. She wasn't like a trauma person, really. I just like needed to see someone. And, um, and so I saw that person until like the middle of January and then started looking for, um, a trauma therapist again after it became, just as a rule of thumb, if a therapist starts talking about themselves too much during appointments or really at all, like in, in a way that you notice, that's then you should go see someone else. That was the thing that I noticed about that therapist that helped me see that like, no, this person isn't like the person I'm looking for because they, every time I would tell a story, they would then like respond with a story from their own life. Like for instance, I was telling them about at the time, I was working in the call center at my job, and I fucking hated it. It was, like, literally hell on earth. And I, like, almost wanted them to lay me off because I hated doing it so much. I would just cry every day because I hate talking on the phone. And I had to call people that I knew would be pissed off at me. And every so every call, they would be mad at me and sometimes yell at me and stuff. And that was so triggering for me at the time. I, I couldn't handle it. Um, And so, like, in January of 2021, I was telling her about that stuff. And then... She started telling me about how stressed out she was because she was so booked with therapy patients and asking me about, oh, why did you pick me as your therapist? And like, think, and like, I found myself like talking to her and like trying to reassure her that she could handle her caseload. And like, that's not what, and I noticed that that happened a couple appointments in a row. That's not something that I should be doing. Um, and so I found the therapist that I saw then, my last therapist, Danielle, I saw her from February of 2021 until um, the end of May in 2022. She had, I did EMDR with her. It took me almost a year to trust her to do EMDR. And that time it was much more effective. And I saw how like good EMDR could be and how much it could really help. Um, and she was still new at doing EMDR, but I saw how, how it was actually really amazing what it could do. And so then, um, 
she quit the place that I, the clinic that I worked. And so I switched to the therapist I'm seeing now who has 20 years of experience with EMDR. And so this therapist, we did two or three months of eternal family systems work, which for me during this process has been invaluable. Like every single time with this memory specifically that I would get to like a point, there would be like a little bit I still needed to process. Whenever I got to that point, um, and I would talk and I would like find myself like talking to my inner child, which is something that you practice when you start doing internal family systems work. Um, and that always helped me understand like something and helped like the last kind of remnants of whatever feeling I had or like negative self-belief that I had during like the EMDR session go away. And that's like the, that was always the thing that made the big difference. And um, so internal family systems work was really, really helpful for me, which is just being able to recognize all the different parts of yourself. Um, and so we did that for like three months or so. We worked through all of the fears that I had with trying to do EMDR, like trusting therapists, all that sort of stuff until we started doing actual EMDR recovery work. Um, and after doing that for a couple months with her and saw like how I had all this improvement, I knew that I knew, like I intellectually knew that working on this horrific memory would, it would be good for me to work through it because I knew that from what we've done with other memories that I knew that I would probably have a lot of epiphanies that would help improve my life. But it was just like, hard to imagine me doing that and getting to that point it was one of those things of like I know that once I do this I'll feel better but it's hard to like get over the hump almost um and yeah so that's when we like split it up into little bitty pieces but what I'm trying to say from telling that whole timeline is that I had tried EMDR or I had done EMDR twice before I had done um prolonged exposure therapy in my treatment program and I had tried to process that I had processed that horrible memory for that whole time that I was in that program and while like I finally was putting the blame on the right person the emotions like the feelings I had attached to experiencing that emotion to that memory never went away the entire time that I was there and never got improved um and so I didn't think that it really could and so what I'm trying to say is that all of that like back and forth with the different therapists, trying different things, finding different things, like learning that EMDR can work, seeing, trying to do EM, like internal family systems work, seeing that that works, doing EMDR and like seeing how it could be, how it you can make so much progress in such a short amount of time when you have like a therapist like I have now that is really, um, really knows what they're doing and all that. Like all that needed to be done almost for me to like go into being able to um, process this memory, I had to have all of that like happen before to have that like foundation so that I could go in and trust that this was going to be worth it because otherwise I could never have done that. Like I needed to trust my therapist first. The first like three months that we saw each other was just me telling her stuff that she would understand all of the different relationships with my 
in my family, we didn't do any processing work at all. And so, and then another like three months of internal family systems with, was more of that, of getting to know her and admitting when I didn't want to trust her or admitting times when I was fucked around with and why that hurt and like admitting and like getting used to the idea of her saying like, I want you to be honest with me. And so when things didn't feel right or things didn't feel good, that I was honest with her and told her what happened or like, Like one thing with EMDR that's really helpful with her is that at the beginning of every session, she would ask me, like, did any other triggers or anything like that come up? And I would, and if there was something that happened during the week, I would tell her about it. And if they, and if things happened and we, there was other things I needed to talk to her about and work on, um, outside of like processing, we would do that stuff instead. Like basically what I'm saying is my therapist made it clear to me that I was the one in control. Like we are always the one in control of our therapy. Like if we don't want to do something, our therapist can't make us do it. And, but it was really nice to see, to have that established with me. And so that I could, so I knew like, for instance, when like, when we did like the work that we did fixing my sleep, where like for the last like month or so, I finally know what it means to actually get like a well-rested night of sleep because I could never... I never felt like safe enough to completely let myself really, I think, go into REM sleep because I could not stop thinking about how me sleeping was me in my most vulnerable moment and that anyone could do anything to me when I was asleep. Um, And so when I brought up how I get, how I was getting stuck in cycles of sleeping, that was like a sidebar thing from, it was like related to the memory that we were working on but it was not directly us working on parts of the memory. That was something completely separate, but it greatly improved my life. And it was my therapist asking me at the beginning of every appointment we had, if there was any other triggers that came up that made me tell her that so that we could fix it. I never thought that EMDR could fix like your sleep patterns, but apparently it can (laughs) if you just tell your therapist about it. Um, And so all the other like huge things that I had happen over the last couple months, which I have like big changes, like um, I still have a ton of, um, I I have, I've talked about this many months ago about how scared I am to go to the dentist and how outrageously triggering it is. But I've gotten now to the point after working on this memory where I think that I could go to the dentist and just use like laughing gas or whatever and make it through an appointment. Like, yeah, I would still feel scared and uncomfortable. Like I think a lot of people do at the dentist, but I think I would be able to do it now, now that I've worked on this memory so much, because this memory was really the thing that of why going to the dentist was such a triggering thing for me. And now I've worked on it enough where it feels like it's in the past. And when I look at the, when I remember it, I've, I feel very differently about it than how I used to. Um, And so like one thing, just in like the last, since I had my session on Tuesday, I realized that, um, I'm like, my jaw is clenched less. And like, I think I'm grinding my teeth less than what I used to, because, um, I used to get like pain, like feel like pain in like my jaw and like in my teeth, like every day. And it was one of those things that would drive me bonkers because I would just want it to go away. 
And it would always get me paranoid that there was something horribly wrong with like my teeth and my, all of my teeth were going to fall out. And all of those like very anxious thoughts you have when you haven't gone to the dentist in a long time. And I still need to go to the dentist and I am going to go. I swear to God, I am going to make an appointment soon. But, um, but, uh, the last, ever since I had like my therapy appointment on Tuesday, that like pain stuff that I used to have all the time is not really there anymore. Like, it's much more controlled. It's much less than what it used to be. It doesn't like bother me as much. I don't go on these like anxiety tears like I used to every couple days about it because I it's not there anymore. And it's I think because um, of processing through some like the 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 whole memory that that like helped just like the main stuff with like this memory that I was focusing on at the end was like helping my inner child to relax because my inner child has never been able to relax since it was a child. And it's always been like trying to protect me from all of these different people that could hurt me because of how bad my dad hurt me and my mom hurt me. And so like every time I worked on this memory and then went through the entire thing, at the end, I was just trying to reassure my inner child and tell it to go to sleep and tell it to relax, like literally telling it to go to sleep. And that I would take over and handle my dad for them instead of them having to do it for me. Um, and that was a big pattern that I kept like having in the different parts of, of working on this memory. Like with the sleep one, it was the same thing where my inner child felt like it had to stand on guard and watch me when I was sleeping. But I was like, you should be sleeping though too. And when my inner child started to sleep, then I finally started waking up feeling well rested. Um, it's that sort of thing. And so it's that like kind of process. Um, and so I think that like working on that just helped like some of that, um, I don't know, fear, like at least anxiety kind of dissipate a bit where I don't like grind my teeth as much, which is, which helps like the anxiety of going to the dentist and stuff. Like I know I still need to go, but it doesn't feel like, like a scary and it also doesn't feel as scary because I processed through the memories that like made it such a horrifyingly like impossible thing for me to even try to do to the point where when I first brought up going to the dentist to my therapist, I just spent the entire session crying, thinking about it because of how scary it felt to even try to do it. And um, I'm honestly like relieved that, that I think that that part is much better for me to deal with now because I can't I can't find a, a dentist that would like let me be knocked out for the entire appointment so um this seems like the best so this honestly is like the best case scenario for that situation that I can possibly imagine um but yeah I guess I just wanted to talk about that whole process that like all of the big kind of moments that I've had over the last two months or so which is a lot there's been a lot um so much improvement with that memory or just like being able to connect things together I feel very like grateful not only to my therapist but every other therapist that I've ever had to all of the friends that I had through the years even all of the ones that I don't talk to anymore because either our friendship fell apart or because they're just not online anymore and we just don't see each other as much or whatever anyone who like the people that I knew that didn't really know me but was still like there to be like a nice su support the people that I knew in my treatment program the online friends that I every person that I ever knew 
during the course of this, like this time, the last five years, I just find myself like very grateful for every person that helped me along the way, even if it was helping me by showing me how not to act. Um, because without all of that stuff, I don't think that I could have possibly ever gotten to this point where I process this memory through and feel like it's actually behind me and, and also feel like excited. Like it sounds weird, but yeah, it's like exciting almost to like, almost wonder like what other things are there? Like what other memories are there? Because this one dominated so much because of how horrific like that's not a word I just said but horrific it's absolutely a fucking horror movie that's why I was always so afraid of trying to process it because I was like how could that possibly not be as bad and my therapist explained it's not that it won't be as bad it's just that it feel like it's happening to you in the past and you'll feel always feel really awful about that but it won't feel like it's happening to you in this moment right now that was a big like a big indicator, a big key to it, to me trying it again and having it work. Um, but um, yeah, like it's almost like so many like nightmares, so many of the insomnia stuff, my sleeping problems, being afraid of other people, like some of the stuff that I was talking to my therapist about towards the end of what we were working on was like, I was acknowledging that um, when I'm around other people, when I'm trying to be even around like people that are like close friends of mine, I always am like feeling like I need to read into everything that they're saying and almost like plan of like, if this person betrays me, I'm going to say this instead of this, just in case they're like lying to me or just in case they're going to screenshot this, just in case they're going to share it with somebody else. Because I had to live like that when I lived with my family and or for like survival and so it's just like an instinct for me to do that to feel like I need to be on guard or I need to think about like what if this person betrays me what if this person talks shit about me what if this person doesn't really like me and they start and they like go on to TikTok and make videos about what a piece of shit I am things like that um and my therapist was just like yeah but like what is the worst case scenario that would happen with that like some people on the internet might not like you and I was like yeah basically and that doesn't really matter. Like, that's like the thing that's amazing about when you get to this point where you have like some, you've made some big progress with like your recovery from trauma stuff is that like, I know who I am at this point. And so, yeah, when friends and stuff would leave, if friends that I have right now left my life, I would be really sad. I'm not going to lie. I would be really sad and really disappointed about that. And I would have feelings about it, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't blame myself as much for it. I would realize that I trusted someone because they, I thought they were a good person and they ended up not being that. It's not because there's anything wrong with me. It's because they chose to treat me that way. And, um, and yeah, it would suck and it would hurt, but it wouldn't like change who I think I am or like feel like a, a threatening thing about who I am as a person because I don't base like my idea of who I am on other people anymore. I'm like fine with who I am because of me, you know? And that's like the whole key to it all. And so I was realizing like, yeah, like that instinct I have to like feel like I need to plan for all these bad things that could happen. I like am trying to push against it and just not do it anymore around people because it's like, 
If they do that, fine, but like most people are not as depraved as my family was and won't do all the things that my parents and my even my sister did to me. I don't need to be on guard for all these different things because nothing that anyone else has ever done to me has ever even been close to being as bad as what they did to me. Um, just because they're like that doesn't mean everyone's like that. But yeah, it's like, it's just wild to get to that point. It almost feels like I'm like starting over life at this point where I am now and like figuring it out. And I don't know, I, I just, it feels really good to finally get to a point where I feel like all of the horrific, like chaos and toxic, self-destructive, suicidal feelings and thoughts and behaviors and actions for the last 38 years of my life have like paid off in some weird way because at least because I ended up here because I got it got me here it got me to this point where I could feel where things could be much more stable than they've ever been before in my life and um and it make it I'm never gonna like the years that I was going through all that pain are always going to be horrific and painful and they were completely unnecessary I'm always going to wish that some of the people that weren't there for me the way that I wanted them to be could have been during those times and that things could have been easier. And I'm always going to wish that my mom wasn't my mom, like how my mom is and that she could just admit that the, what happened instead of acting like it didn't. And that I wish that I could be, have a closer relationship with my sister and that she like likely wouldn't be taking my mom's side and all that stuff. But, um, I'm also grateful that I like made it to this point and, um, And yeah, I don't know. I guess this episode is about like, this is what real like trauma recovery is. It's not like something you buy from a course of some stranger that you meet on TikTok that is like, says that they're a therapist, but not a therapist. It's like super hard work that you do over a long amount of time where you just kind of find the right people. You find the right treatment program that works best for you. Internal family systems and EMDR is that for me. I think that if you have complex trauma in your life, that that is the best one. Um, But it really depends on each person um, to figure that out for yourself. But, um, but like, I I guess I just want to talk about this to tell people like, this is what real trauma recovery is. It's messy. It's all over the place, but you do eventually get there. And it takes a while like not everyone is is like it's going to take five years to get to that point like I you know it took me over a year to trust my first the therapist that I had after my treatment program when I had a great experience with a therapist it took it took me like basically two years after I left that treatment program to find a therapist that I could trust again and try EMDR again after seeing that therapist the first time and having that experience with a therapist in that program not everyone is going to take that long to find another person like that or just be able to trust somebody again like that. Um, not everybody needs to go to an outpatient treatment program in order to like get your feet on the ground and, and get like some improvement where you feel like you can find then find the right person for you. And thankfully, not everybody is going to have like their basically treatment and trauma recovery completely interrupted with a fucking worldwide pandemic for basically an entire year. Um, hopefully that never happens again in our lifetime. So like that's that stuff like made things take longer for me. But either way, it's like it's a process and it takes a, it, it takes literally years. 
if you've if you've been trying this stuff and it hasn't worked yet for you it's not because you're doing anything wrong or it's not because you're like behind or or anything like that I used to feel like that at at back in like 2019 too it's just that it takes time and you got to give yourself the time to really be able to get there but I promise if you keep trying you will get there you will especially if you're like super fucking determined like me and you just refuse to even like stop trying because you there you're not even giving yourself another option